survival guide. Me today, doing the talking. I'm going to actually ignore all that stuff. I'm not going to touch it. My you will touch it. Chewy. It might help it. buffer the sound. Oh, yeah, like like this. We'll, we'll build a little wall. <laughs> We're going to build a wall. We'll build a wall. Melissa's going to build the wall. <laughs> build the wall. <laughs> That's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. So Melissa just got admitted to the bar. You'll have to explain that a bit more. Yes. Well, you go to law school, mm-hmm. get your degree, mm-hmm. and then you take another course that kind of prepares you to be a lawyer practically. And then... Yeah, I've never really understood that. What do you learn at law school? If you're not to be a lawyer. <laughs> How to read the law. Ah, okay. Apply it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's probably the most important skill. And then you like you you learn the basics of like all sorts of different types of law nice. just in case okay what was your favorite one at university at university i really liked um disputes resolution Ooh. like learning negotiation and mediation like divorce lawyers you know just like i mean yeah that, that could be a, <laughs> a part of it but just like solving problems like people have oh. issues how best do you solve them Right, yes. More the practical skills. Okay, <laughs> not specifically divorce. No, <laughs> but we did have a paper on that as well. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Yep. So in each country, getting admitted to the bar is a different sort of process. Mm. So yes. in Europe, it, like, it takes two years or something. Like in America, depending on each state, the test is quite hard. Like people will study for like a whole year. To take Whoa. like one huge test. Is that like what you see in suits when um, yeah. the guy, what's his name, Mike? He like does the tests for people. In the I very don't first remember. Episode. I think so. He takes that, um, and it's the test that Meghan Markle can't pass for the, like because she's too nervous. She puts too much pressure on herself. Right. What it's they probably that? that. What do they call it? Do you know? No. Ugh. Anyway, it's not really important, yeah. but I think that's but that, what I you're talking about. I think that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like super high pressure. You have to like, I think in the States, you have to learn every single thing about the law and then just like regurgitate it in a, in a test. Ugh. In New Zealand, it's much easier. A bit more, like a bit more like, um, what's the word? Practical? No. Yeah, I think so. It's very yeah. practical. You don't really test much of your legal knowledge. Um... You, like, learn how to write memos. You learn how to, I don't know. Do all the necessary lawyery things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one, profs, was pretty straightforward. And then, honestly, getting admitted, all the admin involved is, the like, the most admin I've ever done ever for anything. What? Yeah. There must have been a lot of admin. It's a lot of admin. <laughs> and there is still more to come but then yeah like we you do all these meet all these requirements you submit it to the court 
And then yesterday I got admitted where the judge is like, yeah, you can be a lawyer. No worries. <laughs> no problem here. Yeah. That's amazing. Congratulations. And you got to celebrate out in the sun and it's yeah. beautifully sunny today as well. She was really hot in the court. Oh yeah. I was like, you have to wear those funny wigs. Yes. I wore a wig. And a gown. I looked like an, an, an old man. <laughs> an old dusty an man. An old dusty man. With a dusty haircut. <laughs> Beautiful. I almost commented on your photos like, don't ever dye your hair blonde. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just looked really funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I went with four for you, Glen Coco. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciated your comment. Uh, no worries. Like, Yours yeah. is the funniest one. Everyone else is like, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, you already knew that there was congratulations coming your way. Oh, yeah. I had to, like... 100%. I had to top everyone. You're like, I must win. <laughs> and you did. Good. <laughs> so, okay, so you must have been, like, bang on to survive the week this week then. You... To, yeah, like, this week was a pretty good week. Amazing. I mean, it was a bit hectic. It was a bit busy mm. just at work. But mm-hmm. Friday felt like a Saturday. Like, it just felt like a weekend. I woke up... Totally. Late, like had a lovely breakfast like mm-hmm. all I did was eat and drink and get admitted to the bar and then <laughs> eat some more that is so great what a great Friday yeah conversely your Friday <laughs> Fridays at Crown Law for some reason are the busiest day of the week and I oh. think it's because like all the lawyers want to get all this stuff all done, done before the weekend so they don't have to worry about it right. and I'm like can you not because then that means I have to be busy today <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to be no thank you um well I just started obviously my new position in Crown Law yeah. As a legal personal assistant versus a case assistant, uh, which is pretty full on. Um, I'm on secondment, so it goes through till the end of January. But of course, I won't be completing it full term. Um, The announcement came out yesterday of my resignation. They must have been like... Wait, what? We just moved you. Oh, no. I, like, said to them... Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, look, I'm, like, this is happening. Yeah, and I'm so meeting. You, if you want to take me on, you have to do it with this in mind. Yeah. But, um... They were, they were like keen to take me on. Okay. So they were like, we'll make it work. Amazing. And, but yeah, it was quite funny because, um, <laughs> uh, so the email went out like Crown Law office and like the next email in everybody's inbox was HR being like, we are now advertising for a case assistant. <laughs> and like people keep coming up to me being like, were you offended by that? <laughs> and I was like, no, I get it. Cause the guy who posts those job listings, it was his last day yesterday. So he just wanted to get it out. Oh, uh, wasn't a grace yeah but it was literally like oh my gosh the grave the grave isn't even cold yeah and you're like replacing me but no it was just hilarious it's that time of year and like pretty sure they had over a hundred applicants for um like my role but it was a different vacancy which they filled with this other girl um so i'm imagining it's they're going to be inundated with like candidates so I'm not too fussed that they won't find somebody but nobody can replace me nobody can but look you've (laughs) 
Love needs to go where she needs to go. Spread my wings. Fly away it to was, Yeah, it was really nice. Actually, I was getting a bit emotional from all the e- lovely emails I was getting Aww. from people around the office. Aww. Even Una emailed me saying, yeah. OMG. OMG, don't leave She me. literally said, OMG. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Una is the Solicitor General of New Zealand. No big deal. No, <laughs> no big deal. deal. And she OMG'd me. <laughs> Yeah, if you're there, hi. Hi. We're your biggest fans. Literally, I don't... I Fan can, club is here. I can tell you one person who didn't, like, look at Una as, like, yes, I'm your biggest fan. She's yeah. just that kind of woman. Look, I've never met her, but I'm already... Yeah, I've joined, I've joined the club. Yeah. I'm here for it. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> She's so amazing. So, yeah, that was, like, really special. And I wanted to print it out and, like, have it just on my future CVs being, like, look... This has nothing to do with the job I want, but just letting you know that this person's going to miss me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've attached her email correspondence yes. as proof. Also, I have a picture of us two. Yeah, in a photo booth. In a photo booth. <laughs> so, yeah. It's real. <laughs> the lab is real. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it was like a bittersweet day for me. and um, But, it, like, you know, every the sting was taken out because we had this, that great big old Christmas function yes, overlooking sir. the Wellington waterfront and you just can't be willing on a good day it was such a good day such a good day <laughs> and today as well like listeners oh Livy P I got here a bit early Oh yeah, oh my gosh, we're at my house today. Yes. So if the sound sounds a bit funny, it's because we're in a great cavernous living room versus Melissa's lovely bedroom. Yeah. So we're, sorry. We've yeah. changed it up. We're at Livy P's house. Yeah. Um, and I came here early and <laughs> Liv, you like rock on in and you're like, right, so uh, should we get ice cream? Uh, <laughs> and uh, some juice. <laughs> I was like I'm going to go get it. What do you guys want? And we're like, yes, surprise me. Go. And you just like went, came back and you were like, hey, <laughs> ice cream for everybody. Yeah. I was like, it is so hot today. It is. If you guys don't want ice cream, then I'm going to get three from me. So. I was like, yes, please. Who would say no to ice cream? I like ran. I literally ran to the dairy. Which and is I crazy ran back because it is. It is hot and sweaty out. Oof, yeah, it was hard coming back up the hill. Going down, I was just flying. You're like, woohoo! Spread my wings and fly! Fly! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do you like my Christmas tree, Melissa? Yes, I do. We put that bad boy up this morning. This morning? Well, it was like reasonably mid-morning-ish because neither Laurel or I got out of bed till <laughs> Look, quite you had a late. Christmas party the night before. I had a Christmas party. Understandable. Uh, I didn't go to the after party because I was like, I have so much to do today. <laughs> but I still stayed up so late. <laughs> Look, it's understandable. Yeah, but we put on, you know, the Mariah Carey beats. Yes! Decorated the tree, feeling good. We had our little, like, funky hat things on as we were Oh my god, that's so out. cute. Yeah. Hey, did you listen to Mariah Carey and Ariana Grande? And I haven't yet. Is it's, it good? Yeah, like, it's it's full of Christmas cheer, and then, like, what everyone's raving about is, like, the whistle notes at the end, because they whistle uh, in harmony. What? Yeah. Wow. Is Mariah higher? Uh, <laughs> Mariah higher? <laughs> Look, I didn't... We should we should investigate because I watched it once and I was like yeah that's cool and then I like moved on with my okay. life but we should investigate totally surely 
I reckon Ariana is higher. Really? Like, I'm not... It wouldn't surprise me, but I would imagine, like, Mariah and her soul is like, I'm hitting the top note. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. Mm. She sang most of the song, though. Amazing. So, she's already on top. Yeah. (laughs) So, Melissa, how are you doing uh, Christmas presents this year for your family? Okay, yeah, 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 no, no. Okay, for the listeners, I am heading off to Denmark to see my boo um, on the 17th. So, I will not be in New Zealand for Christmas. Right. Yes, but I sussed it really early. I actually got all the Christmas presents on Black Friday. Oh, smart. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, got all the discounts and sales and um yeah, just gave it to <laughs> just gave them the presents um and so you put them under the tree. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So m- my dad opened his early because um he Dad, that's what dads do, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't um, wait. My brother really wants to open his <laughs> and we're like calm down. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then people have just been, yeah, my, my brother gave his <clears throat> Christmas present early to me. I've just been, like, opening them. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Yeah, like... You don't want to... You're not going to take it to Denmark. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and, like, part of giving the gift is, like, watching them yeah, open it. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we've just done it a bit early. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, I only asked because I tried to pitch this new present well it's not new in the sense that I've like come up with it or that it's brand new but new in the sense that my family haven't done it before right so I tried to pitch the whole like you pull a name out of the hat yeah and that you buy one big present for just that one person so yeah. it means you don't have to buy a present for everyone yeah like you can buy a present for everybody but in terms of like spending a lot of money on yeah. someone you yeah, just yeah. have that one person and that means that um, you get to save a bit of money, but everybody gets a big present, yeah, like yeah, one yeah, way yeah. or the other. And I pitched that to my parents. Well, I pitched it to my family because, like, I'm so low on funds at the moment yeah, that I'm yeah, like, yeah. Mm, can we Such try this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were so against it. Really? Oh, my God. They looked at me like I'd grown two heads. They're like, no. one present? I was like, you are grateful. <laughs> Oh my god! It's just like a um, like an expensive secret Santa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it means like you don't cause spend hundreds of yes. dollars because, like, I would say a nice Christmas present, you'd maybe go like two hundred per person. Yeah, and that's, that's for me too six. Much. That's six hundred dollars that I do not have yeah, to spend. Yeah, yeah. I would love to spend that money, but I don't have that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm like. Let's do this. And they all were like so anti it. And they were all like, mm-hmm. and then my brother was like, just because you're poor. And I was like, okay, God, where's the support? Like, like, where's the Christmas spirit? Like, Thank you, not, family. It's not about giving presents, okay? It's about hanging out and eating delicious food. Yeah. But I think like, I think my mom can't really help herself. Like, I know for a fact she's going to go all out on presents. Right. But I, like, kind of had to go at my dad I would, like when he was alone. I was like, why are you so anti this idea? And he was like, oh, no, 
Absolutely. <laughs> you know, you're going to catch them alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a yeah, pack, yeah. they're yeah. like, they'll, they'll no. huddle together. <laughs> yeah. and, and I was like, no, why are you so anti this idea? Like, I just don't have the money to like give everyone gifts. And Dad was like, oh, that's fun. And then, of course, as I was leaving my parents' house, Dad Dad was like, right, everyone, pull your name out. Like, so we did it. And like, yeah, my brother was like, oh my God, dragging his feet. Uh, <laughs> I know, I was like, Chris, just play along. <laughs> but like, okay, if they're going to be so anti it, then they can't give you shit if you give them like a... Like Schmanfridge a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've bought... I've, I've only bought two presents. One for my brother and one for my dad so far. I've got yeah. nothing from my mom, but I also bought her a really expensive birthday present which was only at the start of december yeah, yeah and i know yeah. it feels a bit cop out because if my birthday was at the start of december i won't yeah. yeah 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 i'm like that doesn't matter that's a birthday like, it's like a whole <laughs> like week at least apart but i'm like mom come on like it's you and come me on. girl yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> i'm not gonna do that for you again. yeah <laughs> uh, that was a one-off and almost took everything i had mom like oh my god yeah so um but i mean yeah so as far as I'm aware, we're doing this expensive Secret Santa situation. Fantastic. But I'm guessing. But not everyone's a fan. Yeah. What else has been happening? What else has been happening? Um, I think that we're just kind of getting ready for Christmas. And when this episode is being released, it'll mm. be Christmas. So Merry Christmas one and all. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. I fucking love christmas huge fan like i i get really like like unnecessarily angry when people say oh i'm a bit of a grinch i'm yeah. like why i get a bit aggressive like i'll call people <laughs> grinches for like even the slightest <laughs> like the slightest yeah. harumph around christmas yeah. like um i think i was shopping with a colleague and christmas music was playing and i think it might have been like the start of december or like the near the end of november and they were like oh really and i was like why are you such a grinch <laughs> why can't you just be happy for us why can't you just spread the chair and a lot what's wrong with christmas what's wrong with celebrating a bit of christmas magic what's wrong with love do you hate love <laughs> do you hate love <laughs> do you hate all the boys and girls grinch 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 you fucking grinch <laughs> You fucking Grinch, Grinch. <laughs> Imagine having an absolute gun with this poor person. Yeah. Like, they were like, oh man, sorry. <laughs> Ew, my man. Yeah, no, I love Christmas. I love Christmas movies. I love Christmas Day. Because in New Zealand, obviously, it's summer oh, at yeah. Christmas. So we're not, as we, you know, as we were kind of talking about, we're not preparing to huddle down and make hot cocoa. No, no, no. We're like, fuck, open the windows. Like, right. get the barbecue cranking. Yeah, 100%. We think we might actually use the barbecue this year. Yeah. My parents have a huge, big, fancy, expensive barbecue that they just never use. Yay. Because they just aren't barbecue people, but they right. want to have it. They're like, oh, but we could be, maybe. But we could. In case we wanted like, to. Like, in case it. we, like, we just need the choice. Yeah, it was funny. So, um, what, uh, I, yeah, I went home recently. Oh, yeah, because my dad wanted me to set up the Christmas tree for my mom. So, my brother and I went out. We set up the Christmas tree. It was whatever. And then we had to sit down because we had to talk about something important. I can't remember what it was. Something, like, family important. Yeah. And before we kicked in to do that, he was like, we have an even more important topic to discuss and it was like okay like <laughs> all right let's like, here we go and he just like whips out like a 
pad of paper and a pen and he's like right christmas lunch what are we having oh. <laughs> <laughs> what are we having and it was like we like literally spent like an hour debating like ham versus lamb versus turkey versus chicken versus what did you beef. decide oh my god honestly it was a full a4 page was filled yeah but it, i think we're kind of doing like a big deal so my parents like taking in stray orphans for christmas fantastic so um my brother is dating this girl carol who is irish and she can't go home for christmas this year yes um or she won't be allowed back <laughs> um and a bunch of her close friends also irish are in the same boat okay. and so my brother obviously extended obviously extended the invite to carol yeah and by and large like her friends like, like come yeah. yes like hey come to the poppy household for christmas day and so i think there's gonna be like four irish people <laughs> coming over so it's gonna be just yeah the the poppy family and then the four plus some irish plus some fun irish people Fantastic. so dad dad was like what wine should i get and i was like dad you're gonna need more than wine like, <laughs> The Irish are coming. Like, I hate to stereotype it, but it was fun. It's hilarious. Dad, oh my God, no, you're going to have to get the vodka, the whiskey, the rum. Everything. My mom has these special copper glasses to make Moscow mules in. That's like, I think it's vodka and ginger beer and mint and like lime and stuff. And so mom's like, get the vodka. (laughs) And I love, oh my gosh. Pim's cocktails. Oh yeah. Like I wake and I want a pitcher next to me. Like Especially when it's like hot. Oh my gosh. Barbecues on. Like strawberries, Pims. I just love it. What is like because you're obviously, you know, your parents cook like Malaysian style food. What is like a typical lunch? food selection you would normally have yeah for christmas okay so we we don't actually celebrate christmas on christmas we celebrate christmas on christmas eve okay yeah Yeah, so we have a big dinner and then leftovers will be for lunch and it's like a fantastic kiwi asian cocktail yes amazing because (laughs) i'm very firm in my stance of needing both turkey and ham (laughs) i'm like what is christmas if there is no turkey and ham i need them both i don't care how big the group of people even if it's just three of us i need turkey and ham um yep so we'll have like that and a few like sides like european sides and then we'll have like noodles and like chicken and then we'll like have stuff on the barbecue as well oh my gosh yeah it's just like a banquet there is of food something so magical about eating food on christmas day and christmas eve yeah versus any eating it any day. any other day of the year you're yeah, like yeah. food just tastes so much better and right you now. you're eating it thinking about oh my god there's going to be leftovers so i can eat it tomorrow yes i wake up thinking about like so my mum makes this stuffing and she used to just make it to like put it in the turkey yeah yeah. but now she makes two separate batches (gasps) because like 
all I would just eat all of the stuffing like yeah, nobody yeah, else yeah. would get any and so <laughs> my mum like makes a tray of stuffing for everyone and then a tray for me Fantastic. specifically good me. yeah and I just I like dream about the stuffing <laughs> I don't know why it's so yum but I'm like mum what's the stuffing? recipe I don't even know. It's like obviously bread and whatnot, yeah. but it, it's got like cranberries in it. It's just Ooh. yum. Like, oh my God. It's like just salty and delicious. <laughs> Um, and my dad, yeah, my dad's going to pull out all of his like little nibbly nibbly stops. Like he does great yeah. cheeses and like long England <laughs> salivating just thinking about but it. But I'm hungry now. <laughs> need more ice cream. You need to um, send me pics because I totally. will be in Denmark. <gasps> yes. It'll be cold. It's currently like three degrees. Like, on average. It must be really hard to pack for the cold when it's so hot outside. Yeah, like, I started thinking about it today. And, like, out of all the days, today is the day I think of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so I'll probably need some thermals. And you're, like, gross. And, like, a, a thick wool sweater and maybe a beanie and scarf. And... <laughs> I don't want it. But also exciting. Yeah, I am very excited. <laughs> It's worth it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, speaking of cold. Cold. Oh. Maybe that segues into this wee story I've got for you today, Melissa. Ooh, okay, so it's something about. Excuse me? What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so. Making yeah. noise in their own property? <laughs> doing renovations to improve their lifestyle <laughs> um yeah so yeah quick psa i live very central town so i'm imagining there's yeah gonna be sirens and loud noises and we're just adding kids some screaming texture. yeah but a, a bit, bit of, of diversity yeah. <laughs> bit of diversity <laughs> bit of a range, range you know so who knows what who knows what we'll get today but <gasps> alas i have a story for you today me and my okay me oh me oh my are you ready to hear a story or oh wait no i have one more thing <laughs> okay yeah just yeah, yeah. one more thing and yeah, i think yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. important and yeah, that yeah. i want to talk about okay so i want to give a shout out Ooh. to a pirahama huri hanganui at engaging well so quick intro about this guy uh-huh him and his father, Hone, started this company, Engaging Well, uh-huh. uh, to develop a program of professional development opportunities for organizations to develop the knowledge and skills required to engage effectively with Māori. So, okay. yeah, Api amazing. and Hone started this company and they go to organizations and teach them. Like legitimately. Legitimate, like Tereo Māori culture. And it's so great so yeah. i've been taking today classes at crown law with yeah. uppy mm-hmm. and yeah i just like love it it's been really really Amazing. um interesting and my favorite parts have been learning about tikanga yeah and the various practices that involve tikanga mm-hmm. um and so tikanga according to the maori dictionary is uh correct procedure custom habit law method manner rule code like lots of stuff it's the 
customary system of values and practices that have developed over time and are deeply embedded in the social context. So tikanga is like the right way of doing yeah. Maori things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Uppy gave us a Tadeo translation for our podcast. <gasps> really, Uppy? Yeah. So shout out to Uppy. Um, and yeah, I, I put. I don't know if we can, but maybe we could do. Like, we could record an intro at some point of the Tadeo version. Ooh, we should. Yeah, for the I survival guide. Yeah, a huge fan of that. Right? So, he's given us two. Uh-huh. So, uh, for so the survival guide, he's got um, te mahere morehurehu or te mahere oranga tonutanga. So, okay. like, the survival and then guide and then that's kind of yeah so between the two do they both say they both are yeah essentially the same thing but like just two kind of different ways ways of saying it it. so i'm gonna repeat that yeah te mahere more hurehu or te mahere oranga tonutanga amazing yeah so i just wanted to give us give him a shout out i love that benny did that for us thank you and they're just so great like that's what i mean like the fact that he just was so responsive to me being like, hey, like, this podcast, like, is there, like, a Taneo thing I could say? And he's like, totally, like, this is what I would say. And I was like, nice. <laughs> yeah, so they're super dope. So. I think we should record something for that. <laughs> that was cute. I liked it. Thank you. It's kind of like a little owl at the end. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Oh, yes. Anyway, Melissa. up everyone if a bit of good weather like today lulls you into a false sense of security with preparing for the day so maybe you see the sun and you're like oh i don't need a jacket so sunny like that kind of vibe like i want to put my hand up but we live in wellington yeah, I was gonna, Read the yeah that was thing. my that was my like slide subtle note is that when you live in Wellington you will always bring a jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rain jacket. Yeah, it's like a jacket that can also be that's waterproof. Yeah. <laughs> like the sun lies. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not warm. <laughs> like it's yeah. It's a cold sun. A cold, cold sun. But yeah, I know But yes, if if not for the Wellington thing, my hand is up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me too. So, during periods of low storm activity, it's easy to forget how severe winter weather can make traveling, especially when you're traveling through mountain passes, um, quite dangerous. Uh, it's easy to forget yeah. that winter can change very quickly oh, yes. when it's so lovely outside. Of course. So, you know, places in New Zealand, I'm thinking of um, the Desert Road. The Crown Ranges, Wellington. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All these places where you just need to be careful and prepared. Yeah. And you just don't really want to take chances because they're just... Because you might not survive. Exactly. You know, you just want to be prepared. So in the Western Mountains of the United States, the conditions can be particularly unpredictable. Um, and even sometimes deadly for the unprepared. 
Over the years, modern highways have dramatically improved uh, driving safety and convenience, as well as the opportunity to explore a winter wonderland. <laughs> but a wintertime excursion still requires planning and preparation. 28 years ago, for one, uh, for one family, a young California couple traveling with an infant child, they learned firsthand what can happen when unprepared travelers make poor choices. Around Christmas time, 1992, James Stolper's grandmother passed away. Oh dear, I just love that it's like Christmas because it's kind of like, oh, it's Christmas now. (laughs) So, so James's grandmother passed passed away. Uh Arrangements for the funeral were quickly organized, and James, 21. Uh, who was a marine private, and his wife, Jennifer, 20 years old, made swift plans to drive up to Pocatello, Idaho, where the funeral was to be held. Mm -hmm. They opted to borrow a pickup truck from James's friend and fellow soldier, as James thought their little car wouldn't get them there in time uh, from their home in Castro Valley. So from hearing the news of the grandmother's passing and making the quick arrangements, they were able to leave first thing the following morning. It was December 29th and James and Jennifer felt comfortable they would make it to James's parents' home by evening. Just a day of travel? Yeah, a full day of travel. So like early in the morning, get there by night time. Yeah, yeah. And they've got their infant baby with them. Yeah, so traveling with them was their five-month-old son, Clayton. Okay. And he was all wrapped up snugly in the (laughs) backseat. Um, So just a bit about the young couple. James and Jennifer had met in high school and quickly became those idealistic Hollywood... Like high school high sweethearts. sweethearts. Right. Um, oh. Jennifer would say stuff like, oh, you know, he's just so, he was so sweet to me. Like, he was just sweet. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> gross. <laughs> Jennifer had been enlisted in the army reserves for quite some time. Um, and they were married 11 days before James went off to boot camp himself. Um, and they were both only 19 at the time. Right. About a year and a half after they were married, Clayton was born. So just both really young and like very young, just very idealistic. And they're both like um, military people. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite like sort of cliche American. Very American. Yeah, American. Yeah, okay. story. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Stolper's original plan was to take Interstate 80 over the mountain passes directly north into Idaho. That morning of their departure, the weather was beautiful. Mm. It was sunny, or as Jennifer would describe it, it was nice out. Okay. It was nice out until we got stopped. Stopped? So but what? <laughs> pulling up to the long line of traffic... James spots a highway patrol officer on foot and grabs his attention to gauge what was going on. The officer responds along the lines of, they're closing the pass, snowstorms not letting up. Better find yourself somewhere to stay tonight. We don't know when it's going to open, but it won't be before morning. Oh no. Uh... As nature would have it, (laughs) severe snowstorms had closed the main mountain route, Donna's Pass or Donna Pass, 
uh, thwarting their plan to drive Interstate 80. But due to the original reason for the road trip and the time pressures the young couple felt, James and Jennifer were determined to find a way to get to Idaho on time, figuring they would just reroute. Right. They decided to find a different way over the mountains. Okay. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. James quotes here, We decided to go north. The map we had showed this road, Nevada 8A, I think it was called. We figured it's on the map, it's drivable, we can drive it. Right. So they pressed on, and the weather really began chucking it down. Oh, mate. They eventually made their way to Nevada 8A, fully concentrating on navigating this strange and unmaintained road. They were so focused on the road and the worsening conditions, in fact, that James and Jennifer completely missed the road close sign, which had begun to get buried under the snow. Oh, my God. So, back in 1992, there were no cell phones. Yeah. (laughs) Believe it or not, a world without cell phones. (laughs) I was actually thinking, like, if I were in this situation... I would 100% try to reroute and I would just type it into Google and Google Maps would reroute me. Mm-hmm. And I'd follow And I'd just Google follow where me. Google told me to go. <laughs> they didn't have Google Maps. I was like, they didn't have Google Maps. They, they were using a, a paper, map. A paper yeah, map. A paper map. I know. What is a paper map? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Precisely. Yeah. So yeah. they couldn't use a phone for Google Maps, but they also couldn't use a phone to send a message. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. So they had no way to contact their friends or their loved ones telling them their situation or where they were. And they didn't think at any point to be like, shit, this is getting worse. Maybe we should turn around. So I kind of like put this bit in here. Um, they were like so young and I remember what I, and I still kind of feel that a little bit. Like if my parents are like get here by this time, I'm like, I'll get there okay. earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, there's yeah. no like question. Like it's like they say jump, you're like, how high? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I can understand that they probably felt quite like, oh my god, we need to go. We have. There's like no way around it. Yeah, like, perhaps a I lack just, of. I wonder. There's that, but then you have to balance it with the fact that they have just had a newborn child, but they're so young. Yeah, but like surely, despite their age, there's going to be this overwhelming sense of i must protect my child i don't know well quite possibly but i think they thought they were like this is fine like yeah this road's on the map like we can drive it and they were just so determined to like get there okay that i think as i say they were lulled into this false sense of security yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah they were just trying to get to the funeral Mm. um so for a long time, they were following the tail lights of another vehicle. So they figured they must be on some sort of decently traveled oh, road. Okay. But then, uh, as if they'd vanished into thin air, the car ahead of them disappeared. The stolpers could no longer see the headlights. Oh. They began to feel very alone, and both uh, very were like very consciously thinking that no one knew where they were. Yeah. Um. So they were driving on, along pretty quick. And they passed a road sign that neither of them saw. And because they were the only car on the road, they decided to back up and go and read it. Because they were like, we don't know what what the hell's (laughs) going on. Uh, The sign told them that to get off the road they were on 
was only going to be about 32Ks or 20 miles, which they figured quite like with quite a lot of relief that wasn't too bad. Yeah. That's only about, yeah, like half an hour or 40 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. It was in this moment, however, when they were sitting stationary in the parked truck that the couple realized how deep the snow was. James quotes, we didn't know we were driving in a foot or more of snow. We thought we were driving in a couple of inches. So a foot of snow would probably be up to your knees, maybe? It's... I just measured in subways. Yes. <laughs> Footlong subways. Footlong <laughs> foot sub. Yeah. Yeah, like just below. So it's pretty deep. Yeah, yeah. just below the knee. Um, James's gut began to tell, uh, began to give him a very nervous feeling, but he chose to ignore that. Uh, and so they pressed on. As you can predict, they barely made it another two kilometers before the 1988 Dodge Dakota pickup truck became stuck. The snow was too deep and too dense, and after a few desperate attempts, but going neither forwards nor backwards, they realized they couldn't get out. (laughs) At this stage, it was late, it was dark. They left the lights on in case someone were to drive by but the couple decided to camp out in the car that night and reassess what the environment looked like in the morning. Well, morning came and it was not good. Jennifer was the first to wake up and she had to really push open her door to get out. She stepped outside into the thigh high snow, wearing only her like regular clothes and Converse shoes. Thigh high. I was in complete and utter shock. Jennifer said, I couldn't believe how bad it had got or where we were. There was just nothing, nothing as far as you could see, just snow. Up in the mountain, after the heavy overnight snowstorm, their car had been grounded in almost three feet of snow. And the cloud was so low and thick that Jennifer couldn't see further than like two meters in front of her. It was just a complete whiteout. And I've got Melissa, you'd know what that was like. Because yeah. even devout like skiers and snowboarders just don't go up in that condition. Yeah. It's like, no, if you can't see, you don't. If you can't see, I can't ski. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, I've definitely been in, you've been in whiteout situations yes. where you're up in the mountain and all of a sudden it's whiteout. And you're like, gotta get to the cafe. Yeah, <laughs> and it's terrifying that journey back. Because yeah. you're like, everything is white or gray and I cannot see where I am going. Yes, and I don't know how to like describe that sensation to people who wouldn't have experienced that. Yeah. But when we say you literally can't see anything it's just white yeah like, like you know you're moving because you can kind of see by your feet yes. like kind of different bits of like, snow yeah like texture. little lumps. Yeah. yeah but other than that like, it's just full white yeah and it's it's almost like your eyes can't quite you have focus. no idea yeah. yeah you just hope that you're not going towards like an edge yeah, yeah. so that was the kind of vibe mm. that she was in so uh, looking out the window, James and Jennifer couldn't see any other tire tracks or any other indication that anyone was around. So they were all alone out in the mountains. Their original gusto plan seemed hopeless and naive at this point. James said to Jennifer, I think we're going to have to turn around, dig the car out, find our own tracks and just follow them back. Oh, yeah. To which Jennifer was like, yes, <laughs> I think that's smart. 
James said, We did manage to turn the car around and tried a number of times, but still could not get the truck much more than a couple dozen feet, if that. The funeral was to be held on the 31st of December. The young family were meant to arrive at James's parents' house on the 29th, but when they never showed up, his parents waited up all night looking out the window. They frantically called around to see if anyone had heard anything. They were extremely worried and continued to call their home phone to see if anyone would pick up or like make sure that they'd left, but obviously there was just nothing. And over the next few days, his family would begin a hopeless search to find them. That's actually terrifying as well because... They're so young. So how old were they? Like 20... 20 and 21. 20 and 21. That's like our parents minus a couple years. Like, if I got lost like that now, my mum would tear the town <laughs> apart. Brick by brick. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be like, she's dead. Yeah. She's dead. We must find her. Yeah. Well, I, funnily enough, quick interlude, had a situation like this happen. Really? Um, it was when, uh, so on the road that my parents live on, when we yeah. renovated our house, we moved a couple houses up. Okay. And then we moved back. But some of our other friends who also lived on the same road, when they renovated, they moved into the same house. Right. And so this was around, I think it was 2011 when it snowed in Wellington for the first time. Oh, yeah, was it 2011? I don't remember what year. Or 2012, I think. Um, but yeah, it snowed in Wellington. And so um, my mom and I went up to uh, our friend's place because mm-hmm. uh, I went to school with Gemma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was them. And we decided to take the, um, Gemma had these like sleds, <laughs> like that yeah. she would take up to the mountains, whatever. Um, so we decided to take them like out onto the farm hills and we're like going, going sledding, sledding and stuff. And we were out there for ages. Cause we were like, obviously you have to trudge up the hills to go down, but we also were just like chatting and hanging out yeah, and it was like yeah, yeah. snowing and we were just like, Oh, oh my God. So much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like, it had gotten dark and we, um, yeah, I think we just totally lost track of time. We yeah. were genuinely having a lot of fun. And I didn't feel cold at all. I was so snugly wrapped up yeah, yeah. in all my clothes. I and if just, you're moving around. like Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just very much enjoying myself. And then all of a sudden we see this convoy of cars leaving Gemma's parents' house. Like lights on, beeping, like lights flashing. And Gemma and I are like sitting up on the hill looking at them like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder what that's for. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, well. Should we do a couple more goes? (laughs) So we like did. And then we went back to the house and um, we walked through the door and Gemma's mum just looked at us and was like, what the fuck? (laughs) Where have you two been? And we were like both shocked. We're like, we just went out sledding on the hills. And she's like, your mum and your father have gone to look for you too. Like, we had no idea who you are. It's gotten dark. You've been gone for hours. And Gemma and I were like, we're sorry. But like, yeah, it was just so crazy. And so... Yeah, they had to call them and get them to come back. And they were like, oh, my gosh, we were so worried about it. We didn't know if you were here or if you'd gone back to the yeah. puppy house or where you guys were. And it was like, sorry. And that's like, what, a few hours? A few hours, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just these like people, a smidgen. A smidgen of time. Of how terrified these parents yeah. must oh. have felt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, yes, so back on the mountain. Jennifer and James moved into the back of the truck as there was a little more space in there for them to stretch out. 
Uh, in the back, Clayton could also move around and get out of his car seat. They didn't have a lot of food as they hadn't planned on traveling for long. Mm. They had leftover fruitcake from the holidays, the crumbs at the bottom of a Dorito bag, and prenatal vitamins. Doritos. <laughs> Doritos. But less food for Jennifer meant less food for Clayton as he was still breastfeeding. Mm. And so the couple tried to ration what they had. For three days, they stayed in the back of the truck. They hoped at some point someone would drive past and help them, but nobody came. They were completely alone, and to pass the time, they played hangman, tic-tac-toe, just any word games they could think of to take their minds off the worrying. It's actually quite wholesome. (laughs) Hangman and tic-tac-toe. I know. For three days. Yeah. (laughs) That would not it's no point me. playing I Spy. It's yeah. just nothing. <laughs> Something beginning with S. No. <laughs> um, so outside them, the wind was a gale whipping the snow into a fury. So they barely left the car. Yeah. When it got unbearably cold at nights, they would turn the heat on in the car. But they did everything they could to save the gas, as they had no idea how long they'd be there before being rescued, or if they might catch a break and be able to drive out. What about the battery? Yeah, so they were trying to conserve gas and the battery. Um, As the days passed with no signs of life outside their truck, uh, no amount of distraction techniques were able to suppress the fact that they could be in a lot of trouble. They realized no one was going to come out there looking for them as the road was barely in use as it was. With no other options, they agreed they were going to try and walk to safety. Oh, wow. But as Jennifer states, we didn't come prepared to walk in snow. We came prepared to go to a funeral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Before they set out, they knew they had to make a plan. (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) We knew we had to keep our feet dry. We knew that even just uh, we knew that even just from military training, you've got to keep your feet dry. We covered our heads in sweatshirts, just tied them awkwardly around our heads to try and keep our heads warm. We decided to bundle Clayton up in his little baby clothes, and we had a little tiny baby sleeping bag for him uh, that we nestled him in. But with the below freezing temperatures around them and their rather unpreparedness to face the elements, James and Jennifer began wondering if they would all survive. So before heading out, they wrote a letter, basically letting their families know what their final wishes were. It included Jennifer's wish to bury them together if they died. I know. At this point, it was understood they were going to live or die and that the and that the decisions they were going to make from this point on would determine their fate. In order to keep little baby Clayton alive, James decided he was going to put him into a makeshift sled using a large waterproof bag that they had in the car. At first, Jennifer was skeptical. You can't pull our baby along behind you. Yeah. But James reminded her that Clayton would be too exposed to the elements if they were to hold him in their arms. And also if they fell while holding him, he could be too small to survive any bad fall. So James said, I will tie the tie around uh, my waistcoat and we'll hook it on, see if that works and see if we can pull him along. Yeah. Um, So literally he... Yeah, they put Clayton in this, like, sleeping bag and then in this waterproof bag that zipped right to the end. Yeah, yeah, And then they attached that to James's waist. So literally, like, pulling him along. Like, pulling him along. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Um, yeah, so with that being organized, they finished the letter, set it down, grabbed a handful of their very few belongings, and headed out. Uh, Jennifer quotes, The only thing we knew for sure uh, was from the sign that we had seen, that the highway that we wanted, that we were trying to get to, was closer than the town we had already passed. Right, so they went forward. So they decided to walk that way. Okay, yeah. Um, Walking during the day, as James would say, was fine. But at night it was different. It was always cold and windy. We did a lot of backwards walking. As in like they would turn their back to the wind. Uh, Clayton, the little trooper that he was, was quiet and calm while we were moving. But when we stopped, he would fuss and cry. Right. Jennifer would try to feed him, uh, would try to feed him, but she was concerned if she was even uh, feeding him anything or if she was even able to produce any milk without any food on board and out in the freezing cold. True. So there was just a lot to think about. Okay, and this next part is quite a lot. But at this point, it's been like a number of days since they first became stuck in the snow. Yeah. Do we Um, know how many days since leaving the car i would say at this point they're probably about like five they're like five oh so no leaving the car like two days i would say okay it's been about two days since they left the car okay yeah um so they're now out and exposed in the bitter mountain cold and snow and the snow that they're wading through is often really deep yeah um so i can imagine it just would have been like really like a lot and quite emotional yeah so james and jennifer tried to stay diligent in the cold james said maybe it was an old wives tale but we discussed the fact that if you fall asleep when you're freezing cold you won't wake up more than once we thought about well what if we do just fall asleep and then all of this will be over but then the thought crossed our mind well what if we fall asleep and clayton doesn't that realization made us change our mind back again to, well, no, we have to keep going. Yeah. And I was like, my God. Oh, my God. Like, yes, it's so true. Like, I think they were just exhausted and they're like, yeah. we just want to sleep, but we can't because we are so cold. Yeah. And it's like, well. And like the worst case scenario is they both don't wake up and Clayton's still all Still good. alive. Yeah. So. Through the days and even through the nights, they continued to walk. They didn't sleep at all. Yeah, they yeah they tried to take like very small breaks, but yeah. they just walked. Oh, wow. Uh, one day, they arrived uh, at the bottom of a large hill. They both thought, if we just get to the top, we will see like the motorway, we'll see yeah, civilization, yeah, yeah. and they'll know where, where they're going, and that they would be saved. And that everything was going to be okay. Why so, are you going... Why do I feel like you're going to tell me it wasn't? it's not going to be okay? <laughs> Using their last ounces of strength and hope, they climbed to the top. As James quotes, The whole time I'm thinking, once we get there to the top of this hill, we're going to see something. Yeah. We're going to see a road or power lines or buildings or just something. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, oh, always a but. When the when the couple finally made it to the top of the rise, their hearts dropped. There was nothing. Jennifer said with tears in her eyes. There was no highway. 
I don't know what we were looking at on the map. I don't know if we went in the wrong direction. I don't know what happened, but there was no highway. And I know we could see for miles and miles. Oh, no. At this point, Jennifer broke down. We're going to die out here, she cried. James tried to console her. They just needed a new plan. The couple began to deliberate what they were going to do. But after a time, Jennifer felt colder than ever before. Clayton, why wasn't he crying? (gasps) Olivia, no! Okay, I did not see that coming. (sighs) No, no, don't say it. No! As James would say, Clayton would always cry when we stopped. Always. Jennifer was beside herself. He didn't make a sound. I didn't want to unzip the bag. But James had to look. The guilt and the shame and the panic was chewing him up inside. So James unzipped the bag. Olivia? And baby Clayton was safe and alive. Oh my god, Olivia! <laughs> I was like, am I going to cry right now? (laughs) I know. What a journey. Okay. His big blue eyes were looking up at them. And I was watching this interview and they both kind of said like, we felt like in that moment when they got to the top and it was like, just like they were done. Like they were like, this is like all hope had just gone they were in despair. They th- they thought in that moment, like, Clayton didn't cry. He didn't make a fuss. It was almost as if he knew that he just was like, I'm just going to... I'm just going to chill. I'm just going to chill. I'm not going to be a bother. You're going through a lot. <laughs> they don't need this. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm going I'm to be here. Yeah. Hey, so when, yeah, they unzip the bag, he's just looking up at them like, what's up, guys? Hey. I'm still here. I'm just hey. hanging out. What's up? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I oh, what know. a relief. Oh, my God. I couldn't take it. I know. I know. I know. I know. So, yeah. Thank God Jennifer had said to herself, if he wasn't alive when we unzipped that bag, I would have laid down right there next to him and died with him. Yeah. I wouldn't have had any reason to go on. So. <sighs> right. Nice one, I know. Fucking thank God, Clayton. Yeah. old mate (laughs) old mate Clayton thank the lord Jesus (laughs) so with no hope of going onwards they agreed to turn around and go back to the truck at least they could try to follow their tire tracks it was late though and the weather was getting bad again they had to sleep their bodies and their minds were completely exhausted so another night was spent out in the snow so the next morning Jennifer could barely stand up James realized he had to find a place for his young wife and son to camp out in. They couldn't stay outside for much longer and Jennifer was in a lot of pain, though she didn't know to what extent the pain was stemming from. So her body was just like done. Yeah. But her feet in particular were just in a lot of pain. 
So James recalls seeing a hole of sorts on the side of a mountain they'd passed. Mm -hmm. So he leads them back there and he's practically carrying the weight of Jennifer because she can barely walk. Mm. Um, So first he helps her into the little cave uh, and then he passes her Clayton. Mm-hmm. Once he's satisfied that they were tucked away and settled, he knew he needed to give her news she wasn't going to like. She was looking up at him in confusion, waiting for him to follow in after her, but he stayed outside. I'm going to keep going, he told her. <gasps> Jennifer began to panic, begging him not to go. Yeah. But he knows he has to. He can, he can still walk, and he knows he can make it back to the truck a lot faster on his own. So Jennifer quotes later that that was so, so scary. Yeah. Because I think at that moment I thought, well, if he doesn't come back, we're going to die. Yeah. She tries to convince him that she just needs a small rest, that her body is cold and just needs to warm up and then she can keep going. But James has to reassure her, three days, he said, just give me three days. What am I supposed to do? Wait and take care of this little guy. A more rational part of Jennifer knew they didn't really have any other choice. James was right, even though she didn't think they should separate. So. That's really hard. You can't. Like the worst, the the worst thing you you want to do is separate. Yeah. Because then there are way too many unknowns with that mm-hmm. but they didn't i guess didn't they didn't really have a choice there yeah so if you think about it he's being like hi can you wait in the small somewhat concealed cave for me for three days not dressed properly with no food no water with this five-month-old infant <laughs> is that cool is like, that all good but it's like what other choice like she yeah. couldn't even walk like they and i don't think she would have like done another night out in the snow i think that's kind of what james realized when she could barely stand up yeah oh my god yeah so james walked he became a single-minded machine his motivation and determination driving him onwards jennifer quotes i was all alone with clay the cave was scary i just sat there and cried a lot and just tried to comfort clay and keep him warm On his mission, James makes it back to the truck in exceptional time, reaching it that evening. He attempts to start it, but unfortunately it doesn't, although he wasn't that surprised. At this point, the weather had really packed in, again, (laughs) throwing snow down in a frenzy. Fantastic. While the truck won't start, he figures, at least I'm out of the elements. He allows himself only a couple of hours rest before he sets out again. To conserve energy, he walked in his own tire tracks. He pushed on for nearly 30 hours, covering more than 40 miles with little food and no water. Oh my god. The disciplined army private rested by taking five-minute half naps every hour or so. Uh, When he felt too exhausted to go on, he repeated his mantra, I have to make it. I have to make it so they can make it. (sighs) Oh, The next morning, Jennifer takes off her shoes for the first time. They are a dark shade of purple and red and were beginning to blacken on the toes. Oh my gosh. She quotes, I didn't know what frostbite looked like, but all I knew was I kept putting them back into the snow to numb them back up again so the pain wasn't so bad. Um, 
That probably makes it worse, no? Well, <laughs> that, I'll explain that later. Um, more than anything, though, the following 24 hours for Jennifer were just consumed with fear for the baby. Yeah. She said he had this empty look in his eyes like he just wasn't there. He just laid there, this long, empty look in his face. And she was like, oh, my God, he's dying. She was just like, I just don't so even know many what thoughts. to do with this. Yeah. Like, she can't feed him anything. Like, he's just existing. And she just has to watch yeah. and she'll feel responsible. And then she realized, well, she remembered that there was only, like, one more day. So that means she's already spent two days in this cave. Yeah. It's like one more day and Jim said he would be back. Because, yeah. Because he said he'd be back. Yeah. And so she started to say it out loud, just like, just one more day, just one more day. Oh, wow. Um... On that third day, James comes across the sign that had stopped them several days ago. Now, reading it on the other side, he sees that the nearest town in the direction he was going, a place called Cedarville, was 50 miles away, or 80 kilometers. And now he was starting to rethink, oh boy, did I underestimate this? Should I have said four days to Jennifer? But he was like, well, that's my goal now. I'm going to walk 50 miles. Like, there was just no, like, if, buts, or what's. He's like, off I go. That's ridiculous. <sighs> I occupied my mind by memorizing everything I saw. I continued to eat snow and ice. Ice was a prize. Snow was everywhere, but it was very dry. Not too much water in it. He pictured Jennifer and how he'd told her three days. He knew she would be waiting for him, so he just didn't stop. At some point when he was walking, he heard Jennifer talking to him, and this startled him. He knew she wasn't right behind him, but it sounded like it. He tried to fight the feeling that that meant his wife and baby had succumbed to the cold, and that it was like their spirits talking oh. to him. He, yeah, because he knew that like you can only go so long without food and water, yeah, yeah. and so he was just like, fuck... Like, he was just so scared for his family because he just didn't know. So he just picked up the pace. He's like, I need to find help. So it's been over a week now since, like, they'd become (sighs) stuck in the mountain. Yeah. A region-wide search had turned up nothing. No one knew which route they'd taken. Did they not find this road on the map? No. no. Well, it's just like an old, closed road. Like, they were like, no, surely not. Surely they're not that stupid. Yeah, so if you can imagine, like, James is just walking. Yeah. For days on days on Snow wasteland, yeah. Oh, God. So, like, hours later, James still walking out in the cold. He thinks he sees something in the distance. Oh? And he's like, is it a building? Is it, like, a structure? Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't. It was a trap. And it was moving. In his Someone was driving it. Oh. So James starts screaming at this vehicle and running towards it, waving his arms in the air, ignoring the incredible pain in his feet. The truck begins to slow down and then it reverses back towards where James is running. Oh, so it was driving away from him? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's kind of, yeah, it was kind of like in the distance, like on the horizon, yeah, kind of yeah, moving yeah. horizontally. And oh. James is like this way. Yeah, yeah, like adjacent. Like a T. So he's like the long end of the T. Okay. Yeah. Um, when he pulled up, 
or when the like the car pulled up, James yanked open the door of the man's truck and gave him a big handshake. He was covered in snow and almost incoherent mm. as he begs for help. My wife, he pleads, my baby, they're out in the cold. The man in the truck, Dave Peterson, was a, mm, I don't know how to pronounce this, W-A-S-H-O-E, like Washo, Washo, hey. Washo. It's like Washo. Oh. Washo. W-A-S-H-O-E. H-O-E. A washu. I don't, I can't even. <laughs> American people, how do you pronounce that? I can't even Washo. Wazo. Oh, County road supervisor. Um, he had been home for lunch and was heading out of town going back to work. Oh. At first, Dave thought James was a cow out of pasture. He drove James back to his house and helped him in, where his wife, Ruth, heated his feet with a blow dryer so his socks could be pulled off without tearing off the tissue. Although, by the way, this is not recommended. (laughs) All up, James had hiked, yeah, almost the full 80k through the snowbound desert with temperatures ranging from negative 20 to 5 degrees. Negative 20? Yeah. And he was wearing, like, funeral clothes? Yeah, like, he wasn't even in his funeral clothes. He probably would have been in, like, jeans and, like, sneakers and stuff. He was able to give searchers detailed information so they could find his wife and son. So rescuers found Jennifer and Clayton alive in the cave. I think, oh. Yeah, they had no food or water left. Um, Jennifer could not believe it when she heard the sound of vehicles approaching because her prayers had been answered after all. Yeah. So the aftermath. The following day, the young family uh, was transported by ambulance to Reno's Washoe (laughs) Medical Center where they were greeted with a media circus. There were more than 50 reporters and photographers stationed outside the emergency entrance. It seemed that the whole world wanted to hear about the Stolper's miraculous story. Yeah. Modoc County Sheriff Bruce Max gave uh, Army Private First Class. Oh, what is that? Gave Army Private First Class? I'm not sure what that means. Um, sorry, I probably miswrote that. They, he just like presented him with like some sort of honor. Right. Uh, high marks for his... Um, perseverance yeah kind of like the choices he made to save his family right so um this guy bruce said they made a bad decision about the road but they made a lot of good decisions after that he added that the stolpers should have stayed with their original travel plans and waited for interstate 80 to reopen but other choices meant the difference between life and death so yeah first the family stayed in their vehicle and waited for help and Mm -hmm. when they finally did leave the truck they bought a sleeping bag and extra clothes with them next they found shelter and last when james went for help he left jennifer and the baby protected in the cave jennifer kept her baby warm and well fed so you know and as much as she could could, yeah uh and clayton came through an excellent condition his parents were not so lucky and then this medical center spokeswoman warned reporters, these are people who are very seriously injured, who have been extremely cold for a long period of time. Uh, surgeon Dr. Louis Benaldi stated, both have fourth degree frostbite to the toes and parts of their feet. 
Um, Jennifer did make a critical mistake when she tried to warm her frozen feet inside her sleeping bag, um, said this surgeon. Because of the pain, she put her feet back in the snow. Much as you may want to re-warm your feet in a situation like that, the warming and recalling makes it worse. Okay. So, there you go. Um, Two weeks later, James and Jennifer underwent surgery for their injuries. Um, the Stolper family could not have picked a worse time to get lost in that part of uh, the state. Snowstorms dumped 260 inches of snow on uh, that sort of mountain area yeah. during uh, December and January. Oh, like that, yeah. It was the fifth snowiest January they'd had in the past 93 years. Luggy. Um, but yeah, but although the storm had like attacked with its full arsenal of cold wind and snow, he was able to like conquer it. Yeah, and he That's was just so incredible determined that he could. Yeah, that the human body was actually possible, like, like could survive it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the Stolper family's ordeal was made into a movie in 1994 oh. called Snowbound, the Jim and Jennifer Stolper story. Uh, with Neil Patrick Harris and oh. Kelly Williams in Ayo. the title roles. Yeah. So I thought you'd like that. Neil Patrick Harris yeah, played big fan, big James fan. Stolper in the movie. So uh, James, oh, yeah, I should say they both lost their toes. <sighs> and yeah. yeah, so they had to get removed. And so that ended their military career for them both. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, maybe, you know, we'll do something else. So they decided that they were going to try like university and do some papers and they were going to use the money from the movie oh yeah selling the story to the like movie franchise yeah um to pay for their university and stuff um which i thought was very smart Mm. uh they had a second child together a girl born in 1995 but james and jennifer ended up getting divorced um, after a few years (gasps) yeah um the two are still good friends and still continue to support each other jennifer remarried and i'm not sure i'm guessing james also remarried um and they still continue to tell their story together um to like major news outlets because the story is still like just so amazing that they they still get asked to do a lot of like television and things yeah yeah um and that survivalistas (laughs) It's the incredible survival story of James and Jennifer Stolper, the young snowbound family. I cannot. It's that's, so amazing. That's. I'm still processing it. Let's take a moment. I'm also just. Oh. Yeah. Okay, moment <laughs> over. Moment over. <laughs> I'm also just like. I'm shocked by the divorce yeah it's like because they went through so much yeah they were bound and like it it does kind of bind you and bond you together and the fact that he james james went through so much with this like kind of mantra in his mind that's like if i don't make it they won't make it the like love that you have to have for these two people mm-hmm. like not only your child but the, the mother of the child the wife it's kind of surprising that that love drifted yeah 
Maybe they got too rich and then the money just tore the family apart. Mm, <laughs> no, okay. No. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's true. You know, trauma brings, shared trauma brings people together. Yeah. And yeah, it is surprising that they did divorce, but I suppose they got together so young anyway. But yeah. Yeah. One could only sort of guess at why. Yeah. But they... I mean, it's still good that they're still friends and they still do, you know, media appearances together. Mm. I read somewhere that, like, yeah, when they do these things together and people say, like, oh, James, so, like, you know, how far did you walk at the end there? And he kind of would, like, downplay it. And Mm. apparently Jennifer would look at him like, no, like, you were amazing. You walked way further than that. And, like, apparently there's still that kind of love and adoration in her her eyes. So... Um, yeah, you like gotta wonder if you like, gotta wonder what, what happened. Maybe it was like too much. Maybe he would like look at his wife and be like, I, "That just transports me back to a place that like is so oh, scary and, and too traumatic for me." Interesting. Hmm. Could either have gone one of yeah one of two ways. <laughs> one maybe. of two ways. God. Well, Liv, thanks so much for telling that story. Of course. She was a goodie. I have, I found the source that did like a few other survival tips, Ooh. like to take away from the story. Yes. So I figured I would like express this um, in place of like, so what did we learn? Because oh. somebody already was like, what have we learned from this story? And we should definitely probably listen to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These people. So they had no the lay of the land, especially in extreme weather. Mm. So when James and Jennifer's planned route was cut off because of extreme snowfall they could have waited it out or turned around instead they took off down an unknown road in the middle of nowhere without understanding the the lay of the land they didn't know what all the locals in that area knew that the road was unpaved unmaintained and closed in winter Hmm. Um, this is all about knowing the baseline the baseline is what is normal in a given area Mm -hmm. anytime you are unaware of the baseline you put yourself at risk it's yeah. kind of like the um, the Thai caves. Like, the baseline is knowledge that these caves get flooded. Yeah. And if you were, like, a tourist and you didn't know that, then you're putting yourself you, in yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so this is especially true in a crisis situation of extreme weather or a similar threat. Had they waited the storm out, they could have avoided a survival situation in the first place. Number mm-hmm. two, use the tools you have to stay warm. Before they left the pickup truck and hiked for safety, the couple grabbed a few key items. This quick thinking helped them survive in the freezing temperatures. First, they brought their food with them. It wasn't much, but fats help keep your body warm through uh, metabolizing. That fruit cake was more than a meal. It helped keep them from freezing. Second, they had a sleeping bag. Once they got out of the wind and into the protection of the cave, the sleeping bag kept them from freezing to death. Without that warm bag, it is questionable whether they would have survived at all. Mm. Finally, when they found the cave, James was able to spark a small fire. He did it using bits of sagebrush and paper from their son's diaper bag. The flames didn't last long, but it helped give them some temporary warmth. So before he left, he just gave them a little fire that didn't last long. But it was like, we, we're bit. using what yeah, we yeah. have. Yeah. Um, number three, in extreme endurance efforts, use small rests to keep going. 
when James left the snow cave for help, the family had already been through a seven-day ordeal, but it wasn't even close to the end. James had over 80 kilometers to hike with little food and no water before he found help. He was completely exhausted and ice covered his hands and feet. Even so, he did one thing along the way that kept him going. And that was every hour or so. Mm. He took the short five-minute rests, giving his body and mind some much-needed relief. By disciplining himself to back off in set intervals, he was able to complete his amazing feat of stamina. And the final thoughts on the ordeal was that James and Jennifer made it out alive, but not without losing their toes from frostbite. Thankfully, their five-month-old son made it out alive and well. They made a critical mistake by heading down the unknown road in the middle of a blizzard, but it was their endurance and ability to use the tools at hand and find shelter that saved them. And it just kind of says, I hope you never find yourself in a similar situation. Oh, please do, <laughs> But if you do, the lessons learned from James and Jennifer's story could save your life. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess, like, the first lesson I thought of after listening to the story is like don't underestimate the weather and the fact that if you at all are in the unknown with you know a change of plans or um the weather looks kind of dodgy Mm. like better stay safe like better be safe than sorry yeah like and i love the um what is it like knowing the baseline Mm, so like yeah it's like, for me, if I was telling people, oh, sure, you want to go to Topor, um, you'll have to drive the desert road. But just know that there's a lot of black ice on the desert road yeah, in the winter. Yeah. And so, like, don't go hooning around corners because, like, that's where the ice likes to mm, pool mm. and it's you can't see it. And so it's being, like, know the baseline. Like, yeah. you don't have to, like like, not do things. But it's, like, if you're aware that, like, these things can present themselves you're you're better you're better off off than somebody who's like chosen to either not find out or ignore it yeah yeah so yeah really good story um i'll do quick sources Mm. um i can't even like print what is all these like strange intriguing uh american words the tahoe the tahoeweekly.com theterho <laughs> I think it's the tahoeweekly.com okay. tale of survival the stolper story I try to say that lots of times stop story stop story, stop story. Mm-hmm. part 2 by mark mclaughlin mclaughlin <laughs> my <laughs> This Christmas party last Words. night, like my, my tongue is just like, blah, 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 blah. Um, January 8, 2014, Disbelief and Desperation, The Trials of Lost Travelers um, by the Bay Area News Group, um, sfgate.com, Survivors of Snowy Ordeal Return Home by Johnny Miller, and I also, I don't have it here, which is a bit silly, I'm going to quickly YouTube it, um, it's like... There's this James and Jennifer. It's like an interview? Yeah. Uh, James and Jennifer. Stoko. Stop. Movie trailer. Hold on. Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yeah. So it was done by the uh, ABC. So it's called In an Instant Whiteout. 
and it's like the thing is 2020 abc in an instant whiteout and it was posted by lorenzo stoney three years ago so i watched that whole saga and got most of my quotes from there so if you want to do more uh research those are the sources i use um but otherwise melissa i'm so plaid I'm plaid. I'm plaid. I've turned into plaid. <laughs> I just can't even more. I like I wanna. I'm, I'm just gonna end it. You're there. like ah, oh, I give up. But yeah, um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Stay safe on the roads. Um, Have a fantastic Christmas, yeah, Christmas with your family. Break. You've all earned it. Everyone has earned a break. Turn off your work phones. Yes. Eat they do not need everything. to contact you. Eat as much as... Don't feel bad. Don't. Eat that third round of pavlova. Yeah. Fuck okay. it. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. Don't be a Grinch. <laughs> don't be a Grinch. Mm. On that note, <laughs> love you and leave ya. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, it's Olivia here. Thank you so much for tuning into the Survival Guide podcast. Melissa and I are brand new to this and we really appreciate your support. We can't wait to bring you some more crazy survival stories, so don't forget to subscribe and tune in next week. You can also find us on Instagram at the Survival Guide podcast. Once again, thank you, love you, kakite, goodbye.